Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome to the third episode of UK Creativity Club's podcast series. Today's guest is Rachel Guo. Rachel is originally from China, and she studied at NYU, in which she majored in mathematics and minored in computer science. After finishing her undergraduate from NYU, she moved to UC Davis to pursue her master's degree in computer science. She will be joining the internship program for Microsoft this year. We decided to host her as our guest to discuss about how engineering and mathematics are closely related to the power of creativity. Today's guest host is Yui Fan. Please like and subscribe to our channel for more content like this. Hello, everyone! Thank you for joining us again at UK Creativity Club podcast. Um, we have a very special guest all the way from California, or is it is it a different region? I think I don't know where UC Davis is. Oh, I'm I'm actually in California. You're right. Okay, okay. So um, we have a special student from uh, University of California, Dave, um, uh, on, on one of the campuses. Um, Rachel, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you doing, Louis? I'm doing fine. Okay, so. Um, For all of us at UK, do you mind introducing、um, a little bit about yourself and you know、um, what you do? Ah,、uh, yes, of course. Ah,、uh, so I'm currently a master student majoring in computer science at UC Davis, and ah、uh, uh, before that, I was doing mathematics undergraduate、uh, at New York University, and、uh, I will be、uh, work as a software engineer soon at Microsoft、uh, Sunnyvale campus, and. Uh, so、um, I was a, I'm a friend of Rui, and、uh, um, I'm very honored here today to、um, to 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 be、uh, in this podcast. And yeah, that's a brief introduction. Very happy to meet you guys. Yeah, very nice to meet you as well.、Um, I I gotta admit, I've never seen a person who actually majored in math, other than some <laughs> professors and some of the professors and the TAs I have.、Um, you know, like. I I、uh, against all the stereotypes. I never really liked math when I was growing up. You know that was just something that I didn't really like.、Uh, I didn't really enjoy math when I was growing up. But、um, something that I did enjoy when I was growing up is music. And you know a lot of people like to make that connection of three M's: music,、uh, math, and medicine. So、uh, do you think there's a、um, I don't know your experience in music,、um, but、mm-hmm. do you think there's a, a certain relationship between music and math that you、um, that you sort of understand and things like that? Uh, well, uh, it's very interesting that I was、uh, actually kind of into piano when I was very young because it's it's more like a tradition thing. Like a lot of Chinese parents try to get their kids. To like、um, at least know something about the instrument, so that makes everybody thinks it's cool. But as for me,、uh, I mean, initially my father just pushed me into、uh, learning the piano. But after that, I actually found it very interesting. So I personally like music very much. And when I was young,、uh, I feel like uh, uh, in spite of the schoolwork,、uh, I can have another thing besides the TV shows and other like entertainment. I can have another thing to.、Um, Play with, except for、um, like the schoolwork, like for example the mathematics you mentioned. So I think、uh, music and math certainly can play as um, um, sometimes、uh, when you are 
for example, when you're doing a very difficult mathematics task and you feel stuck, and then, uh, okay, maybe I, I can just switch into something else. It's like, uh, uh, it's like uh, for example, I can play uh, like 30 minutes of piano or I can just listen to some pop music that also works. It's just like music helps me uh, help, 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 help you to relieve from the stress work. So I think it certainly um, has some uh, good and positive relationship between each other. And uh, for instance of the medicine, I think what you mean is like um, music is like also a relief for like the patients sometimes. Uh, you, it, it's it's kind of the, uh, it's, it's, it's basically the same thing, like uh, just like uh, relief stress from the math problem, you can also release stress from the patients of the pain. You just forget about the pain sometimes when you listen to something you like, some, some pieces of music you like. Yeah, I remember having a conversation with um uh one of the one of the guests uh, that will be featured in um our podcast and mm -hmm. he's he's a music director and a composer and the way oh. he explains it is that you know some people like to um like to cook, some people like, you know, enjoying good food basically and sometimes mm -hmm. having good food um sort of delivers you to have a different experience that's just not explainable quite um, so I think, I think you're, you know, right, right on the dot in terms of, you know, um, music being medicine. I think the, the most famous saying that I've ever heard was that, you know, music is the soul's medicine, you know, mm -hmm. it, it just, you know, it just cures your soul. Um, with that being said, so tell us a little bit about how you got interested in mathematics. Cause I, don't get me wrong. I know there are a lot of math um, lovers out there. Um, uh -huh. Just for me, I don't really know what what was sort of the interesting part. Because, you know, I like geometry, but I don't like all the numbers and stuff like that. Kind of, you know, I don't know. It's just, it's hard to explain. But when I uh -huh. see numbers and when I see equations like in calculus, I'm like, I freak out. <laughs> That's my instinct. <laughs> but, well, you know. um yeah, yeah, I, I, I kind of uh, understand that. But it's like, um, so throughout my educational path, uh, I feel like uh, sometimes I, I, I'm just like um, forced into something because if I choose math as my undergraduate major, probably I can get into a better um, master or better graduate school, so better job. So just stuff like that, not necessarily meaning I'm very into mathematics. It's just I'm okay with that. Um, so... Um, then let's talk about something else. So, uh, for example, um, you, you are interested in becoming a software engineer and, mm -hmm. you know, things like that for me, like IT design and, you know, IT mm -hmm. is becoming something um, like technology aspect of it is becoming somewhat, you know, um, the main core of what we survive upon. You know, for example, I don't know how many people have done this before, but, you know, uh -huh. living without your phones... <laughs> for a day, you know, uh -huh. or even for a week, it's, it's hard. It's just uh -huh. hard nowadays um, because, you, you know, people are so adapted to that environment. Um, uh -huh. And the design of, you know, the, the design aspect of um, the technology is also interesting because for me, when I look at like Apple products, for example, I know you're going to Microsoft, but, you know, some of the <laughs> Apple products, I think the one thing that was very, very interesting was that, you know, Steve Jobs was sort of the guy who would, 
you know, have the core design of everything, but yeah. all the technicians behind him had to sort of, you know, fulfill the dream that he had and the vision uh -huh. that he had. So in that sense, I think tech, uh, technicians and, you know, software engineers also have to have some sort of creativity in terms of, you know, designing and coming up with ideas. Mm -hmm. Where do you get those kind of inspirations for, you know, um, the designing and, and engineering aspect of it? Uh, yes, I, I think uh, Steve Jobs is a very good example because I remember uh, some stories about him. Like uh, he was the chief product manager of Apple. Like uh, he actually didn't know much about the actual technology and he personally thinks this is a very good thing because uh, if you really know something about the tech, then you're kind of like restricted to what you can do. But his main point is like that, okay, actually I don't know what I can achieve, but I just know what I want to achieve. And then like the technicians to break out the boundaries so that they can uh, make, uh, make something actually like never been seen by other people before. So I think the creativity just for Steve Jobs, it comes from like, um, it's good for him to not know much about the actual skills and the technical stuff so that he can break the boundaries. Yeah, I think it's very important. Uh, I think uh, sometimes it's important to know less to uh, let you uh, come up more creativity. But yeah, uh, yeah. I think Go ahead. that's that's an interesting perspective because, you know, a mm -hmm. lot of people say that, you know, well, not say, but a lot of people like to stay inside the box, you know, uh -huh. and yeah, a lot yeah. of people um, from my experience, when I whenever I talk to people who are into fine arts and arts, creativity, they like to say or say things like, you know, um, we have a box to break the box. You know, we have, mm -hmm. we have the boundaries so that we can go outside of the boundaries and just let our creativity sort of fulfill ourselves. But at mm -hmm. the same time, whenever I see people like them, um, it's, it's rare. It's rare to find people yeah. who actually does a good job of executing that, but not only executional part, um, people oftentimes just say things like that and they get afraid, you know, they all of a sudden have to step outside of the line and, you know, it might be just a single line, but you know, it's, it's that line that keeps them in the safe bound. Do you ever feel that, that fear of breaking something like, you know, you, you mentioned about breaking the rules and, you know, breaking the mm -hmm. boundaries. Do you ever feel sort of, um, afraid of doing something that's unconventional when it comes to engineering? Yes, uh, for sure. I always, uh, I always have this, uh, feel, I, I, like I can agree more with you because uh, like for a lot of the, I would say 50% of the engineers, they're basically copying the previous models or previous code uh, made by other engineers because in that way it's safer. You for sure know um, the answer. But sometimes if you want to improve the efficiency of your product or uh, your, just your simple program, you actually need to, I mean, I, I, I firmly understand um, the fearness when you want to um, invent something or when want to break the boundaries. But uh, I think uh, if you want to achieve uh, better than your previous result, then you just have to, you know, invent something. You have to step outside of that, that line. I think uh, this is necessary, but um, yeah, still, I think it's hard uh, when you actually uh, put this thing into practice because uh, 
for one thing is it's hard to invent something new and the other thing is just uh, what if um, the result is bad so uh, yeah for myself I'm still also like exercising and at the same time feel afraid of breaking the boundaries yeah I mean I think everyone is sort of um, having that fear constant fear of, uh-huh. of failing you know uh-huh. I think that's what it is is that you know um, a lot of people even even the pianists, you know, I think um, I, I think Dewey might be able to back this up for me. But um, I think a lot of pianists have a tendency to sort of tense up or stiffen up a little bit because they're afraid of making mistakes um, of what composers had intended to play. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's very, very much the same. Actually, that reminds me of something, you know, looking at some of the scores like like the music scores, sheet music. Mm-hmm. Um, the way it's been notated, I don't know why, but it just occurred to me that it sort of reminds me of some of the, um, what do you call like a, you know, like um, if you look at a circuit board and, you know, there are different, different parts sort of connected to each other. I, I don't mm-hmm. know why, but, you know, that that's, again, some of the visual aspects of um, music being related to um, science. Um because I, I have a feeling that music is science. I usually like to tell people that, you know, all the, all the theories in physics, you know, there's, there's a section that talks about sound and acoustics. And, uh-huh. you know, it's, it's a very interesting criteria. It's, it's an interesting area of studies. But, you know, things like that, I think, is somewhat re- uh, relatable is that, you know, a lot of people are just afraid of stepping outside. And, um, and I think that's one of the reasons why, you know, just people don't do it. People don't do anything, um, I guess, quote unquote new. Um, Mm -hmm. so would there be, um, what would you think the changes must be? I, I mean, you know, like, cause we can't just stop here. We can't just stop from, you know, we can't just stuck in the past. Mm-hmm. And you talked about, you know, just copying some of the previous models and so on. But what keeps engineers striving forward from this point to the new level of technology? Uh, well, it's actually, uh, this is a good question, I think. Um, because um, I think it's actually very hard. Like, as you may know, um, there's a new function of Facebook called Rio. It's basically a copycat of the of the TikTok thing. So um, I think um, if, if for engineers, if you want, uh, really want to um, invent something, because there are a lot of successful models out there. I mean, um, especially in, the, in this era, uh, a lot of um, mature products have already been um, invented or have already been out. So I think uh, the only way for engineers to um, step outside of the boundary line is to, um, how to say, break the, um, because uh, it's, it's actually very hard, like their um, performance issues uh, or uh, like uh, rules in the companies that uh, restrict you from um, inventing something new because you have to take responsibilities of that. But uh, if you think about this, um, uh, well, <laughs> actually, I don't know because uh, I don't know how to say this because um, for me as a just a very uh, junior software engineer, uh, our task is just to finish uh, what our manager has been given us. So um, 
yeah, probably I'm not suitable answering this question, but I think uh, for like uh, better engineers or for engineers who are very experienced, uh, if they want to get promoted or uh, they want to do good stuff to uh, the whole um, tech world, then uh, they have to, um, for example, observe, um, observe the phenomenon in life, like observe uh, what people are interested in these days. Probably this is the product manager's work, I don't know. So uh, uh, observe what uh, consumers are actually interested in and that has not been invented out, like stuff like this to, um, to get you uh, go forward. Yeah, that's a very good point. I think a lot of times, you know, it's not, it's not so much that people, not only people are afraid of stepping outside, but I think people mm -hmm. are afraid of just stepping in the wrong line, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. the, the, with yeah. the companies and, you know, um, different yeah. organizations that they're involved in, um, their pressures also, you know, something that cannot be neglected upon. Um, Dewey, at this point, do you have any questions for Rachel? Yeah. Um, have you ever tried to um, uh, touch the boundary, like create the new code, not use the previous? Uh, yes, of course. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, uh, even though I just mentioned copying some of the previous people's code, but all the code or uh, the stuff I'm working on is actually written by myself. So, uh, uh, I think, um, yeah, uh, I think that's the thing is like this. Uh, so uh, you're basically given some code base, like this is the base of your code. Then uh, you know, like what your specific work is, then based on that, uh, you invent something new or you add something new to the code base is basically what, what engineers do in their uh, daily work. Yeah. So, so in that case, um, mm -hmm. you, I think what you're talking about as a base code, you're talking about like templates, right? Uh, sort of, um, sort of. Uh, so uh, as you may know, uh, we're adding new features to one product for some engineers. So that code base is, for example, you have the uh, chatting app and then you want to add a new feature to that. And that new feature is uh, the work you're going to do. So the chat app is basically done. You just have to add something extra into that. I see. I see. So mm -hmm. on the on the finished product, you have to add on add on your yeah. feature. I see. Uh -huh. I see. So that's that's very interesting because you know oftentimes there's a there's a form in music called theme and variations for some people um, who are avid mm -hmm. music listeners. Um, you know, it's taking the theme of other composers that they have written and just turning that into something else. Right. Oh. So, you know, I think I think that's another way to think about it is that, you know, they're adding their own flavors. For example, I think the best example that I can give right now about about what theme and variation could be is that, you know, for example, there's a composer named Paganini. A lot of violinists know their name, know his name, uh, you know. I, I don't know if they are particularly fond of his name because he wrote some of the most difficult pieces for violins. Um, but oh. the thing is, his Caprice number 24 became mm -hmm. absolutely viral. And there were um, many composers who have heard of him perform in real life and just followed his footsteps. For example, there, was, there were three different composers that I can think of who sort of took the theme of Paganini. One is Franz Liszt, 
and uh, there's another composer named um, Johannes Brahms, and then mm. the last one is Rachmaninoff. Now, these people, um, ex- except for Rachmaninoff, I think most of them lived in the um, earlier Romantic era, and Rachmaninoff, of course, in the later uh, Romantic era, and they all have their own color. You know, it's it it it's based on the same theme, but they all have different colors. So, um, is w- would there be any other examples? For example, um, in in the uh, IT world, for example, I think the one of the examples that you gave us was um, the feature of Reels in Instagram and Facebook that came from TikTok. So, mm-hmm. are there any other examples? that that other people might be familiar with or might not be familiar with but it is actually a byproduct of a base code and just just adding their own feature uh i think um there are a lot of uh similar examples especially in like the chatting apps because i basically think like uh i don't know you you probably know telegram right Mm -hmm. telegram so there's another thing called signal it's also um, uh, it's also an app aimed for secure chatting, very similar to Telegram. It's like a byproduct. You can search it online. It's called Signal. It's it's simpler version of Telegram. So it's also aimed for secure. It, you you can only send messages and pictures in that. It's a uh, it's an app without many features, but it's very secure and it's saying that your messages won't be monitoring by anyone else. That's, that's actually, I've never thought of it. Um, you know, it's well, because, you know, like when we, when we are using certain apps, it's just, um, people sort of start to take it for granted, you know, things like, Uh um, uh, like, like you mentioned the real aspect of it. When I was (laughs) updating my Instagram at one point, the real started to pop up and I was like, what is this? (laughs) Cause I don't use TikTok and you know, I saw Uh it and I was like, what is this? <laughs> All of the reels in the beginning had TikTok at the bottom. And I was just yeah. like, oh, that's what it is. But, you know, people sort of glimpse over that and they just move on and they just start uh-huh. to adapt. I think that's something uh, something that requires a lot of process in terms of human cognition um, that a lot of people sort of go over it. Um, with that being said, do you think... Um, because, you know, uh, technology is, for a lot of people, it makes people's lives a lot easier. Um, mm-hmm. But in cer- certain other aspects, mu- uh, technology also makes people's lives a little harder. Um, I think one of the great examples is that's the, the development of social media and the dawn of social media. You know, once social media started to became viral, um, mm-hmm. it it created this vicious cycle of people going into social media to connect with other people. They see other people post good things, quote unquote, or more successful things, successful stories than they have. And they start comparing themselves to those people. And, you know, um, there is, there has been a lot of research um, done and conducted and, you know, and many of the research results sort of demonstrated the fact that some of the vicious cycles about social media um, 
led people to be a little more depressed. At least that's how the press says it. But there seems to be definitely a strong correlation between those two. Um, do you think engineers in the future uh, might be more interested in, you know, um, sort of preventing that? Or do you think engineers are supposed to care about that or not really? You know, they just are supposed to develop a good app, you know, good software. I kind of want to hear about your opinion on that that just you know the social media and just mm-hmm. overall technology um sometimes not helping people as they're supposed to mm-hmm. uh i think you're right like technology does have uh some positive side and the uh, uh, bad sides for example the pressure like the peer pressure that social media bring us for example a lot of girls uh do like pretty close uh uh, pretty clothes and uh, very sexy bodies, but actually those pictures you saw on Instagram probably they're not true. I mean, but if you if you just post um, post uh, pictures on Instagram and let everybody see, everybody will um, oh cool this picture is cool, but actually you Photoshop them. But like the I think it's actually um, this stuff that uh, bring people some peer pressure or. Um, for example, some other examples, maybe uh, people are doing good and they are uh, showing their new promotions on LinkedIn and then you like their post, but then at the same time, you compare yourself with those successful pe- people. So I think, uh, I think uh, I'm not sure whether the future engineers will invent some new products or new apps uh, or new social media platform, but uh, I think it's actually, um, people only post good stuff on social media. That brings peer pressure and depressed to people. So when you see those um, good posts, delicate posts, uh, uh, I think uh, you cannot take that for 100% sure, oh, they are doing good. People just only want to share good moments on their moments or on their posts. So uh, think about that first and then I think it can reduce stress people suffer from social media. I think you just made a really, really good point. It's that people, people like to share their good memories. And, 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 and now I think about it, it's like putting something on social media is like a diary for some of the people. Yeah. You know, yeah it's yeah. like, it's like just people are mindlessly posting things and, you know, <laughs> yeah, they're not just rambling on there, but at the same time, they're not posting everything, you know, mm-hmm. they're not, they're not posting everything and they're not, posting, you know, some of the things that they're experiencing. Um, I think nowadays people are more, more prone to posting something that might be a little negative on them. But mm-hmm. even so, I think a lot of people sort of, you know, it's just a human instinct that people want to share only good things. Cause you know, I think that's like a human nature. It's almost mm-hmm. like people want to brag about how well they are off right now or yeah. <laughs> you know, compared to other people. And that's how sort of the comparison begins. Um, so I don't, I don't think the technology was necessarily the fault of it, but mm-hmm. I think it definitely highlighted some of the aspects of human nature that, yes. that might have existed, but it just amplifies everything. Uh-huh. And um, so with that being said, I think uh, we, we're going to switch a little bit here. Um, you said you learned uh, or you were sort of, um, you, you sort of liked piano as, as mm-hmm. you were a kid. Um, tell us an experience of why music was something that was particularly 
um, exciting or intriguing to you? I think it's a sense of reward because uh, when I was young, my piano teacher, uh, she was actually a very strict teacher, I think. Uh, she was very picky about, I don't know how to say that in English, like the, um, like how you, um, how you touch the keys and how uh, well you perform at the, uh, not the concert, but like recitals. In front of, yeah, recitals in front of several um, classmates. Like she, she was very strict, but once she praised me, like I feel like, oh, a very um, strict teacher actually gave me a compliment. So I think it's that sense of reward um, gave me conf confidence. So that makes me think, oh, pro uh, probably I'm, I'm actually can be good at piano. So I think it's a sense of reward, yeah. Mm, does this learning experience help you in your later life and in your work? Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. I think um, uh, people who can um, play good, on uh, play uh, very good piano pieces can also do good in the schoolwork. Because uh, if you want to um, be good at piano, you have to practice every day. That sort of gives you um, like a rule to yourself. Like you have to set, for example, at least one hour to play the piano to get good um, about this and to uh, um, perform good in the next lesson with your teacher. So when you uh, switch to the schoolwork, you will also um, be a very, um, diligent person and um, like uh, at least to set up an extra time um, to to read some extra books, for instance, I don't know, or um, yeah, maybe just be a hardworking person actually also um, in your schoolwork. It, so it sort that, of allows to um, allows one to build their own disciplines. Yeah, yeah, disciplines. You're right. <laughs> no, I think that's absolutely right. I think that's why a lot of people um, skip to explain this part and they just, you know, the parents oftentimes just tell kids like, you have to learn this, you have to learn instruments, you have to, uh -huh. you have to learn dance, you have to learn painting, you know, some, some, some art forms. But oftentimes people forget to explain even to kids that, you know, mm -hmm. the reason why you're learning this is, you know, for you to learn about disciplines, you know, oftentimes, exactly. and I'm not talking about, you know, discipline in a negative connotation, but, you know, more like, having your own set of standard um, expectations, setting the goals and sort of having plans so that you can achieve that goal. Um, which brings me to the next question, which is um, what do you hope to do with your career in, um, uh, you said computer science. Uh, so mm -hmm. what do you hope to do in the future? Um, do you just want to work at Microsoft or is there something else you have in mind? Oh yeah, for sure. Um, so uh, in the future, I probably uh, want to be a product manager because I think it's more of a field for me. Uh, like software engineers always, uh, they basically realize the ideas uh, other people given them. So for product manager, uh, he or she has more um, uh, has, has more freedom to um, control how the product is going to be in the future. I think um, if I can see, um, uh, if I can see a product that is of my own wish to be published to a lot of people, that's going to be fun. So I will become, a, if I can, I will become a product manager in the future. That sounds, that sounds like a good idea. I think, um, you know, product managers, um, I think that, 
occupation has a little more cre uh, creativity. Creativity. Standard. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think, you know, because oftentimes, you know, uh, when it comes to arts, because of the way it's structured now, everything is about business. You know, it's about selling your products, selling uh -huh. your ideas. Um, uh, our professor, our piano professor likes to say that, you know, when it comes to piano playing, you have to sell your idea. You know, even the wildest dreams and wildest ideas, you know, Steve Jobs didn't really care <laughs> if it was, you know, a wild idea. He was able to sell it for sure because he was, <laughs> I feel like he was an amazing speaker. You know, he was amazing at selling his products. Um, people sort of blindly just followed it. You know, like that's why I think it's still, there are a lot of people who are obsessed with Apple products. Um and <laughs> yeah, I, I think, I think that's honestly, I, I think that's the reason why, um, do you like, uh, do you enjoy going to, um, music concerts or, um, like, like live music concerts? Obviously right now it's because of COVID. I don't, mm -hmm. I don't think there are a lot of concerts happening around the nation, but around the world, needless to say, <laughs> but, um, do you oftentimes get to have a chance to go to like recitals, concerts? Um, uh, it, uh, I probably go to the New Year's concerts every year, just once a year with my parents and family. Do you, um, well, I was going to ask, do you miss it? Which I'm, I'm sure you do. <laughs> of course but, I do. Um, I think we are running out of time right now. So oh. I think I'm going to ask the last question, which is if you were able to build a time machine, it's a classic question. Um, if you were able to build a time machine and you can meet anyone from any era in historical uh -huh. time period, who would you like to meet? And what would be some of the things that you would like to discuss with the person? Um, well, <laughs> yeah, I know it's a very classic question, but I haven't thought about that before. Um, so I probably would... Um, we want to go back to people in like the 70s, like uh, to people who were not uh, using technologies. For example, like our parents, when they were, um, uh, yeah, just, just went back and talked to my father, for example, in like uh, 1970s. And I, I tell him and I tell him, oh, you see, like now we're living in uh, an era where everybody can not live without an iPad, without an iPhone. and um, explaining um, every tech products and uh, explaining our modern life to him and asking and ask him uh, whether or not he would believe like in 50, in about 50 years our world will, will, will be like this yeah I think that would be very interesting okay do you do you have any final questions for her um I I have a question for Rachel. Uh, does music give you some inspiration in your works? Uh, yeah, that's a very good question. Uh, not necessarily inspiration, but I think it's more like a relief. So I, I like to listening to Spotify while I'm working um, and uh, especially prefer those uh, musics without lyrics because I think sometimes lyrics can uh, extract uh, my concentration. But I think uh, the like there are a lot of lists on Spotify that that's working music or like stuff like that. I will, I would like to listen to those music and it's not like inspiration, but um, 
some enlightenment of my work, I think. Okay, so final, final, actually, now is the final question. <laughs> um, <laughs> but the last question I want to ask is, uh, do you have any comments for um, people who are doing undergraduate for engineering and, you know, mathematics or computer uh-huh. science? Because, you know, so, sometimes I think um, this was definitely true with me too. People sometimes get burnt out, you know, and they, they oftentimes experience failures while mm-hmm. they're doing their undergrads. Um, and people think that, you know, like one failure will just, you know, be like be the end of it all. <laughs> so, <laughs> and, and I, I like to think that's not the case because, you know, like, I failed multiple times and I somehow am surviving, but um so what would be sort of your comments for people who are struggling right now with their engineering engineering degrees and you know mathematics degree uh i know a lot of students are struggling with calculus because everybody needs to do calculus in undergraduate uh, freshman year uh i think um it, uh, first of all you have to admit this is difficult you cannot do that it's not because you're stupid you have to encourage yourself and um, also, uh, if you see uh, other students uh, maybe uh, very quickly uh, get into the stuff or uh, get familiar with everything, you, you, you should not uh, be stressed, uh, burned out uh, by those people because they might have very different backgrounds compared to yours. Uh, yeah, I think you should keep that in mind. And at the meantime, um, uh, you should not be uh, afraid to search for help. Because I know there are always a lot of uh, TA sessions, especially for uh, math or engineering courses. You have a lot of opportunities. You just have to ask your peers or your seniors to uh, go for the answers. Probably your uh, fear about go to the professors or sometimes professors won't give you the correct answers. They just give you some high level language, uh, high level knowledge. But if you ask your peers or your seniors, you can uh, and ask correct answers or solutions for once or twice then uh, you will start to, um, to, to, to master those stuff, I think, eventually. Well, I think that's it. Uh, I think we are almost running out of time. Uh-huh. Uh, so first of all, I would like to thank you for joining us tonight. Um, I know because of the time difference, we had to meet sort of late at night. Uh, for those of you who are watching this and listening to this, you might be listening to it or watching it at a different time of the date. But right now it's 9.46 p.m. <laughs> Eastern Standard Time. And I'm sure it's different for Rachel and Nui. Um, so I, I just want to th- say thank you for joining us tonight. Um, and that's it. Until next week, I'll see you. Uh, I hope you have a great week. Um, and stay safe. And I'll, I'll see you next week. Bye.